Kids, you can be opening your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 10. He just alluded to that. It's page 1018-1018 in the Bible provided there in the pew, if that's what you're using. Um, that phone number for Pastor Andy only works today. He's going to have it changed tomorrow because of scammers, but anyway. Uh, so take advantage today while you can. It's a two-for-one sale. Anyway, so joy to the world. That's what we uh, want to talk about today. Uh, we started off with, with hope, and then we talked about peace. Today we're going to talk about joy. And next week we'll talk about love, because love is the result of those things. And so we, we, we want to talk about what this joy is. And I do appreciate us using um, these little film clips. They're entertaining. They're easy to understand, but they give you a whole lot of information so that means I don't have to spend time explaining it. And so explaining that they're explaining it is taking time, so I'll quit. But I do hope you pay attention to them because you do learn a lot from there. There's some phrases in there he used that I hope you got a hold of, such as joy is something we choose. It's not necessarily us being exuberant. We have sorrow and joy at the same time. So uh, we, we kind of understand that. So I want to talk to us a little bit today about joy. And I, I would ask... A question gets asked a lot, are you in the Christmas spirit yet? You know how that goes, right? And, and if you're not feeling it, sometimes we try to find ways to gain it, I would say. Now, my wife does something that, that I've never fully appreciated, and that is she starts listening to Christmas music as soon as it comes on the radio. And if you've been paying attention, they now do that right after Halloween. So next one up is going to be, you know, Labor Day, and then it's going to be July 4th. But, but by the time, but Christmas Day, all of a sudden, she switches the channel. So why'd you switch? She goes, I'm tired of it now. Okay, I've had it for this long. And, and my problem is, it's the same songs sung a thousand different ways. So there's some new ones that, you know, they're okay. But, and I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek because I do enjoy it. Um, by the way, there is a, a musician group, not a physical group, but just a publishing thing called Sovereign Grace Music, and they have Christmas music, and it's really rich. It's got this full of meaning. It might be a little different. To get listened to that, you can look that up on your own. But here in Luke 2.10, as the film just said, the, these angels come and they announce this is news of great joy. And, and again, we should have joy at Christmas. A lot of things take our joy away. Um, to just last night, one of our dear members went to be with Jesus, and in that we rejoice, but we have that sorrow at the same time, and we, we see that, we understand that. I, I'll tell you more about that when cameras go off if you need to, but, but uh, if you don't know already, but, but we can have sorrow and joy, but so when we don't feel the Christmas spirit, we try to work it up. You, know, you might watch Hallmark movies. Um, I, I, I met a lady a couple of years ago, and she watches them year-round. I don't know if she recorded them or whatever, but she loved them so much that her grandkids would sit there and watch them with her. She, she loved those Hallmark movies. Or you may read a certain book that you like, or, or there's some music that you like, like I mentioned, or some activity, or you look for something to help you do that. But you know when it wasn't hard to get into the Christmas spirit, and you probably wondered why other people didn't? It's when you were a kid right? You start looking forward to that. Now, if you, if you grew up like me, people my age and older will understand what I'm about to say. Especially as you get closer to Christmas, you might ask your parents, can I get so-and-so? Now, I came from a family, I, I say we were poor. 
you, you can name it what you want. We weren't rich, we weren't poor, but we were, I think the common term is lower middle class, okay? Um, I, I'm not sure what you called it. Poor people didn't call us poor, but we didn't have a lot. So as a little kid, I wanted stuff like other people had, you know, just like all of us uh, watching other people. And, and if I asked for a big ticket item, I was told, why don't you wait for Christmas? You ever remember that? That's because they didn't have the money to go buy it and then get you something else at Christmas. So they'd been saving up all year maybe to get you that big thing. And so Christmas Day, you could not wait. And the reason you're so excited is, especially when you're young, somebody you don't know is going to bring you something that's just going to magically appear, right? And it's not something you work for, not something you really expected maybe, something you may have asked for at some point, but you really weren't sure you would ever get such a thing. And then, boom, there it is. Boy. Now, I call that happiness. That's not real joy. But it was easy to get in the Christmas spirit. It's easy to get out of it. Because, you know, the batteries ran out or you broke it the same day. That happened a lot too, right? Um, or in, in my family, if you got new clothes, we'd want to go put them on. And my mom said, no, don't dog them out. Wait till school starts back. Those are school clothes. You know, that kind of stuff. But you were expecting something that, that you down deep knew you didn't deserve. And Somebody might have even had to intervene as a kid, you thought, for you to get it, right? Well, isn't that what God did for us? He gave us a gift that we could never have bought for ourselves. We could have never afforded it. It came from somebody from the outside of our family, outside of us. And it came for many of us as a surprise. That you were captured by joy. You were overcome by joy. And Jesus became real. And you received the one precious gift that's ever been given, and that's salvation forever. The Bible, that is really the basis of our joy. And so I want to break that down, look at it a little bit. The Christmas spirit is something we'll have you around. Here's what I want you to take home with you. Joy is both a gift and a choice. Joy is both a gift and a choice. Now, why do I say that? Well, because I'm going to start with joy is a choice and explain that. First of all, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 22-24, it lists the fruit of the Spirit. That's a singular word, fruit. It's got many components, just like an orange has many different kind of vitamins in it, but all the vitamins are in each drop. So when the Holy Spirit comes, you get all that what God wants you to have, but the, the deal about the gifts of the Spirit, you've got to realize they're there and begin to basically lay hold of them. That's a word, we, a phrase we might use. You've got to say, I want that. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to live like that's already there. Sometimes you, you might have to do that. And so it is a gift to you, but it's also a choice. You have to choose to have joy because there's plenty in the world to take us away from it. We'll talk a little bit about that later. So it is a noun. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's page 1158 in your Bible. Love, joy, peace. These are first three listed in the gifts of the gift of the Spirit that he gives us. The fruit of the Spirit that he gives us, I should say. But it's also a verb. And they used it in the cartoon there. They kept saying rejoicing, rejoicing. That means to have joy all over again, right? Re means do it again, doesn't it? So when you have rejoy, rejoice, it becomes a verb. You have joy, but now you're going to express that joy and you have it over and over and over and over again. And so we, we have to understand that because, um, again, if you're my age or older, I, I thought I had an illustration if you're younger, but I forgot what it was. should have written it down because I'm older. But, um, 
But if, if, if you remember Eeyore with, with Winnie the Pooh, I'm Eeyore, you know. I'm so happy to be here. I've met a lot of Baptists like that, you know. Like, is that happy as you get? Yes, until I get bored. And I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll calm down some, you know. And we just, we, we come into church, you know. Vance Havner said most, most churches start at 11 o'clock sharp and then at 12 o'clock dull. You know, and, and that's just, that's kind of how it goes. We ought to be rejoicing in the Lord regardless of our circumstances. That's the, the neat thing about the fruit of the Spirit is... It's true no matter what's going on around you. I, I've talked in the past weeks about living in the eye of a hurricane, or the eye of a storm. Everything can be flying around you, being destroyed, and yet you can have joy and peace and hope in the middle of that kind of storm. So it is a choice. And I want you to really understand that so we can talk about how do you choose it. I, I'm telling you it's a choice, but how in the world can you choose joy? And so if, if you would do so, please open uh, turn in your Bible, page 1166, or Philippians 4, Philippians chapter 4, and yes, exactly, I heard somebody quoting it, There's, there you go, um, sorry, it's wintertime, my fingers are dry, so it's hard for me to turn pages, now, I, I want to just tell you one quick thing about Philippians, and they put it up there on the screen. You saw Paul in chains while they were quoting those verses. Because Paul wrote this book from a Roman prison. Now, that Roman prison, which was in Rome, that's why it was Roman, more than just they owned it. It was actually in the city of Rome. But Paul had an advantage. He was in a house. He was under house arrest. And you had to pay for that house. Or you go to a dirty, nasty dungeon where you're going to get disease and not enough food. And the church at Philippi paid for the house. And so Philippians is a thank you letter back to those in Philippi. And the theme of the whole book, all four chapters, is, guess what? Joy. Now here's Paul in a prison, chained up, about to go to trial. Now, his accusers never showed up. They were bigger cowards than he was. He, he went, but they didn't. And so, he, he was able to write and meet people. And it was there while he was chained to Roman guards, he kept leading them to the Lord. Now, I don't know how long they were chained to him or how long they were assigned. And I've not looked that up because I like what I think happened better than what may have actually happened. Because what I think happened, he would lead the guy to the Lord. The guy gets saved. He'd start teaching Christianity. And when the guy learned that, He'd say, okay, ask for a transfer. I need some fresh meat here. You go back and you tell your other soldier friends about it. And get, he'd get a new guard and he'd lead that guy to the Lord. And he even says so. He says the gospel's reached so far, it's even in Caesar's household. Some of those guards were in the, became the praetorian guards that guarded Caesar. So the secret service of Rome, some of them were Christians and they were in Caesar's house. So the gospel was present even there. So in chapter 4, Verse 8, Paul gives us a, a, a way to look at uh, the, having joy. So I'm, I'm going to talk about verse 8. But it, this whole passage is on rejoicing in the Lord. If you go back up to verse 4, and I'll come back to 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. So there's the activate. He said, do it. Do it if you don't feel like it. By the way, I didn't put that in my notes. But do it if you don't feel like it. Because if you do it when you don't feel like it, Soon you'll feel like it. Because you'll start realizing that you've got something that can't be taken away. Many times we lose our joy 
This should be at the end of the sermon, but I'll do it now. Because we feel like we've lost something that we can't get back. Well, that's not true. Heaven always adds. It never subtracts. And when we get there, we'll have, we won't care about the stuff we thought we missed, is what I'm going to say. You know, I, I, I'm a sentimental guy. I'm a pack rat guy. And so it's a fight for me all the time because it's like, yeah, but you don't understand the scrap of paper was given to me by my mom when I was four. You know, it's like, you know I'm just that dumb. I, that's an exaggeration. But, it, but that can happen. And, and we're afraid to let go of things on the earth. But this earth is not permanent. It's temporary. Uh, everything you see is going to rot and turn to dust. Uh, the guy wrote a song about that back in the late 70s, early 80s. Cadillac's going to wind up in the junkyard. All that gold, all that stuff's going to go away. And only the things that we do for Christ are going to last forever. And so uh, he says there to rejoice and rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's verse 4, verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to, to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, remember we talked about peace last week, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to stop right there. Here's the basis of our rejoicing. First of all, we rejoice because he forgave my past. Now, that's the way we like to say it, and that is true. But here's the thing that we don't understand so many times. When I sin tomorrow, is that sin forgiven? Now, you're going to say, if you confess it, but that's not right. It is forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross, how many sins did I committed? All of them and none of them. I hadn't lived to commit any. But he'd already saw everything he needed to die for in my life and in your life when he was on the cross, right? So when he died on the cross, did he forgive us of our sins? Right. So what do we do? The Bible tells us to confess them, not to ask forgiveness, but to confess. God, you said this is wrong. I know it's wrong, and I did it anyway. And the blood you shed on the cross is what pays for my disobedience, my rebellion against you. And I agree with you, it's wrong. And I don't belong to the devil. And I don't need to do that. I belong to you. And I'm going to turn my back on that. I'm going to turn to your cross. And I'm not going to look at my sin. I'm going to look at you on that cross and rejoice that you paid for my sin. Because we had to come and get that fellowship back. He doesn't throw us away. But just like if you offend a loved one, you know there's a little tension in there until you clear it out, Right? And so we as believers, we have the joy of knowing I'm forgiven. My past is forgiven, but my present and tomorrow is forgiven. And so I can go to God with assurance, with hope, confident expectation, with peace and with joy to say, wow, I really messed up and I agree and I do have sorrow for that and I do or am brokenhearted for it. But he cares for me in the present. Everything that he's done for me in the past tells me to trust him for today and tomorrow. So I have his care right now. And thirdly, I have a promise of a future. I know where I'm going. He's revealed to me where I'm going. Now, that's on faith. I've never seen it with my eyes. I see it with the eye. We call it the eyes of faith. It's something you can't see. But I know it's true. I know it's there. How do I know it? Because the Holy Spirit lives with us. And he speaks to us through his word. And he starts changing our lives and so we base ourselves our joy on the fact that I am saved I am being saved and I'm going to be saved and nothing and no one can take that away from me when you live a life like I do you got a lot of people that like to give you directions of where you need to go and I always say I'm sorry I can't go there 
I've already made provisions not to go, and it is impossible for me to go because God's already saved me, so I have to go there. Now, I understand your sentiments. Sorry, you're upset. Let's talk about it, you know. So, that's one thing. Understand your salvation in Christ and rejoice. I mean, when you wake up in the morning, say, good morning, Lord, not good Lord, morning. It, I mean, we, we can come to his presence daily with thanksgiving. And that fact's what it says here in the text. Look at verses 6 and 7. He says, to, to pray, to have the peace of God will surpassing all understand will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In verse 7 and verse 6, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving to me is another way of saying rejoicing, being thankful. I, I asked this week have you, uh, to someone, have you ever rejoiced in the middle of trouble and pain? Have you ever given thanks for the thing that is horrible in your life right now? And listen, I don't know you, but I just know this. Everybody in this room has either gone through bad things or going through bad things or will go through bad things. And some of them are horrifying. Can you in the midst of that say, thank you, Lord, for this? Because you're going to get glory. I don't know exactly what you're doing here. I don't know why you got me here. But somehow through this, you're going to get, you're going to get glory and you're going to be teaching me to be more like Christ. And so in the midst of this, the Bible here says, don't worry. Pray with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for this trouble. Thank you, Lord, for this great thing you did. Thank you, Lord, for this weird things going on in my life that I certainly don't understand, but you do because you're eternal. You knew, from, you knew it was coming before it ever got here. And so I've got to ride it out to figure it out because I can't see the end, but you do. And so I'm trusting you and I'm going to ride with you. And, and then... He says there in verses 6 and 7, when we do that, the peace of God acts like a, it's like building a fortress around our heart, our emotions, and our mind, the things we think. And I come from some people that are prone to worry, and I am prone to worry. And that's a battle to not worry sometimes. And so we have, but we have to access that. And the third thing I'd say about how do we choose to rejoice, first of all, just do it. Because you're saved. Secondly, do it with thanksgiving. Don't say, oh, Lord, I'm in trouble. Don't be Eeyore. Lord, it's horrible. I don't know what you're going to do with this. Because I know this surprised you as much as it did me. We think God doesn't have any power to do anything about it. If he leaves it there, the Bible says God is good and what he does is good. Did what happen to Job? Was it good? Ultimately, yes. Was it easy? <laughs> no. I mean, his own wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? He said, naked I came in, naked I'm leaving. God gives, God takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Anything I, I've gotten to, I'm trying to get into a habit, I'm about there. People say, how you doing? And I always say, better than I deserve. Because all I deserve was hell. I'm doing better than that, I'm good, right? In the world, I'm having trouble, but in Christ, I'm having joy. And then the third thing, and how do we choose joy is right here in this same chapter Set your mind on the th good things of God. Look, beginning there in verse 8. Finally, brethren. Now, again, finally from a preacher means this is the next last point, right? Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. You know your mind can only think of one thing at a time. Uh, and that's, that's just true. You can give a half a listen to a couple of things sometimes. But you will miss something that you think you're getting if you don't concentrate on the one thing. 
And that's just a fact. You cannot think of two things at one time. So if you're worried about one thing, think about something that you don't worry about. You say that's awful simplistic. I didn't say it was easy, but it is simple. It's very difficult. Not saying put it out of your mind. You may have to deal with something. And that'd be a good way to relieve your mind. If something you can deal with, deal with it. If you can't deal with it, how's worrying about going to help? So say, well, Lord, I don't like this. I don't know what to do about it, but you do. And I know you're good and I'm going to love you. And I'm going to think about how great you are. So look at this list of eight things. Truth, honor, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy. You think about the opposite of those. I don't have time to define these words or talk about their opposites. But you all graduate kindergarten, you can do that. And just go to this and say, today I'm going to concentrate on this. Just pick one of them. And today I'm going to look for something beautiful in someone. Something, see somebody do something nice or good. Or I'm going to do something nice or good for somebody. And start to look at things that way and it will help with the joy. So how do you lose your joy? And I debated whether to say that first or last. But I'm going to say it last. I told you how to keep it well. But why do I lose joy? Because I sinned and I know it. I've told you how to deal with that. You go to the cross and say, on this cross, you bled. And my sin drove those nails in your hands and your feet. And I see the blood coming down to cover my sin. And I caused that. You get up from there knowing you're forgiven and that he says, I did this for you. So God's frown can be turned into a smile and you can have peace. You can have joy. You lose it when you concentrate on worry instead of beautiful things. That word anxious there in Philippians is a word we now use for eager. Oh, I'm so anxious. What are you anxious about? My family's coming. I can't wait. Well, you're worried about it? And they go, no, I'm excited. Well, then say I'm anticipating it or I'm excited. Anxious means I'm worried. And Philippians says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with thanksgiving. Make your praise be known to God. So don't worry. Failure. You attempted something, you failed. You know the only way in life to learn is to fail? I know you can learn by road, you can learn, but until you experience it and apply what you learn and fail at it, you don't understand how it works. If it works, you... Whoa, it worked first time. Worst thing happened to anybody is to succeed the first time. Listen, if, if, you, if first you don't succeed, don't try skydiving. All right, that's all. <laughs> Failure is not fatal nor final. Failure is a teaching block. So if there's a failure in your life, don't live there. Learn from it. Do better. And failure can steal your joy. Let it become joy. Go, Whoa, they asked Thomas Edison. He, I forget the number. I've heard a thousand different numbers. That was a pun. Because I don't know if anybody knows. But he tried so many ways to make the light bulb. And I'm just going to pick a number. 95. And he said, man, you have failed 95 times. Aren't you discouraged? He said, no, I figured out 95 ways it can't be done. But I know it can be done. And I'm going to figure it out. And he did. And we have illumination in here tonight because of that today. Another thing that steals our joy is discontentment. The Bible says in Hebrews, contentment with godliness is great gain. I think it was Theodore Roosevelt who said, the lack of contentment is the thief of joy. If you, I started off with when we were kids, but I'm convinced adults are not 
They're not grown up. They're just bigger versions of kids. <laughs> they never grow up. They just get bigger and stronger. And sometimes dumber. <laughs> Why I say that? I say that because we, we forget. We forget what God has done for us. And when we're not content with what he's provided, it steals our joy. It steals our joy. Have you ever... Listen, I've seen kids excited to get a stick. I went to Burkina Faso in Africa many years ago, and we had water bottles. Because even if you boil it, you didn't want to drink what they had. And we would have these water bottles, and we figured the kids were thirsty, and we'd give them a water bottle, and they'd take it and pour it out and start playing with the bottle. Like, really? I tell you, you go to Africa, it'll make you not want to come home because you realize how spoiled we are. I mean... What genius told us that we ought to buy our water in a bottle? When, when my kids were in school, a girl in her school was talking about another girl, not Savannah, another daughter. And she said, that girl said, did you know that so-and-so drinks her water out of a hose? <laughs> no, out of the tap is what the girl said. Said, she drinks water out of the tap. <laughs> my daughter said, I drink it out of the hose. What are you talking about? <laughs> Well water, just coming out of the ground the way God put it in there. And we're just drinking it. We're still alive, praise the Lord. When we get discontent, it just steals our joy. Because we are unappreciative to God who gave us everything we have. I remember I watched one part of one show of one series. And it was called Sweet 16. And it was about rich kids on their 16th birthday. And I watched, I've used this before. If I've used it here, forgive me, but... The big gift was a Porsche Turbo Carrera, 911 Turbo Carrera. You don't know what that is, look it up. You will begin to lust for it. And the door opened, and there's her turbo, and she stomped her foot and said, It's blue, I wanted it red. And I went, Never watching this again, because <laughs> I just wanted to uh, go through the TV and pop her a good one. You know, it's like, Are you ungrateful, little girl? But don't we do that to God? He's given us himself, and we want something else. This isn't enough. Isaiah said, you've committed this sin, people. You have dug for yourself cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water and forsaken me, the water of life. And that's exactly what we do today. We're not so different from them. And then we let other people lose our joy. I'm going to let you in on a psychological truth and I'm going to save you at least $100 an hour learning this. So you don't have to go to a psychiatrist to find this out. You're not even going to believe this. Nobody can make you angry. You know that? You choose to be angry. We go, you made me so mad. No, you chose to be mad. You didn't like what I did. I get that. But I didn't make you mad. You said that's how you wanted to respond to me. When you understand that. You won't be so mad at everybody. Because that's something you just chose. I choose it a lot when I'm driving. <laughs> I'm yelling, try the long skinny pedal on the right. You know. Just go. Don't stop as soon as you turn into the parking lot. Just keep moving. Well, I'm choosing that. Instead of going, oh, poor soul. They're a little confused. Let me just hang back. Let them figure it out. Right? We can lose our joy over silly things of this world, even big things. But the way to joy is to think of God's good things, to know his goodness and to live in that. 
What is the Christmas spirit? It's knowing who you are in God. And we ought to know that year round. We ought to be living that year round. And so God has given you a gift of joy. Now choose that joy and choose to live in that joy. Not just Christmas, but year round. So I would ask you this question. What is it in your life that is robbing you of experiencing joy? You've chosen not to experience joy. What in your life are you allowing to rob you of joy? I'm not saying your life's not hard. I'm not saying your life's easy. It may be hugely difficult. But some of the most joyous people I met were some of the people having the hardest life. And then I've seen people living a good life and be sorrowful without joy. So Colossians 3 tells us, set your mind on the things of God. Philippians gives us a list But Colossians says, since you're then risen with Christ, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. If your focus is here, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to lose joy. But if your focus is on heaven and the fact that that's where I get to go when it's all done, I can have a lot of joy in the midst of a lot of pain. And so that's the invitation today. I'm going to ask you to right now choose joy. Tell God that you want to choose joy and to help you choose joy. He's already given it to you, help you access it, help you to follow along with him in this. So this morning's Sunday school lesson was out of Psalm 103, and it was talking about blessing the Lord. And toward the end of that blessing, uh, that chapter, it talked about the angels being obedient to God. And it's in that obedience that we do find joy in Nehemiah they were rebuilding the wall and they pulled out the word of God and began to read it and as they were reading it the people began to weep now they weren't reading the New Testament they didn't have it they're reading the stuff we avoid like Leviticus and Numbers and they're weeping It says in Nehemiah 8, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy, or set apart, to Yahweh your God. Do not mourn or weep. And then it says, in a commentary to it, to that verse, the verse goes on to say, For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And then he said to them, quote, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord, our God. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength.